love is all that I can give to you. Love is more than just a game for two. Two in love can make it. Take my heart and please don't break it. Love was made for me and you. Welcome to Love Savers Radio, ministering the blessings of covenant. This is Walter and Sandy Fox from Love Savers Ministry, called by God to minister the blessings of the marriage covenant by enriching, encouraging, strengthening, and praying for the healing of marriages, especially marriages in crisis. Our program is sponsored by Living Water Church, located at 69 Industrial Road in Wainscott, under the leadership of Pastor Joe Kelly and his lovely wife, Margaret Kelly. Sunday services are at 10 a.m. with a pre-service prayer meeting at 9.30 a.m. Pastor Joe invites you to come and be refreshed. For more information, please call 631-537-2120. That's 631-537-2120. Today, Sandy will be speaking with Lynn Donovan and Deneen Miller. They wrote the book, Winning Him Without Words. Being married to a man that does not share your faith in God is a challenging issue for any marriage. Their book provides hope for any woman who is struggling in what is called a mismatched marriage. Lynn Donovan is an author and national speaker who writes for spirituallyunequalmarriage.com. You'll find this website to be a great resource for the many questions and answers on the subject of a mismatched marriage. You can find the information at www.spirituallyunequalmarriage.com. Deneen Miller is also a writer and receives several awards for her writing and has been featured on Christian Women Online magazine. Both Lynn and Deneen have been guests on Dr. James Dobson's Family Talk, Focus on the Family, The 700 Club, and Family Life Today. If you order their book on Amazon or any bookstore in your area, you'll find the 10 Christ-centered keys that will release God's love into your marriage. Winning him without words. Let's listen. Hi, Lynn and Janine. Good morning. Good morning. It's Sandy. How are you this morning? Really good. How are you? Okay. What spurred you and your co-writer to write this book? You know, um, we started off um, writing on a blog back Uh in 2006 and serving um, a community where there weren't very many resources. And it was our readers who actually said, we would really like a Bible study so we can sit with a group of women and learn how to do this spiritually mismatched marriage very well. And so Janine and I are like, okay, um, we'll write one. And we did. That is really something else. Is In your book you say that you're happily married to your best friend. How is that? How can a believer and an unbeliever be happy under the same roof, let alone best friends? Tell us. Oh, sorry. I thought that was directed at Lynn. I think it's one of the areas that I think it's a, we need to be careful of is that we don't 
fall into defining everything about our marriage in relation to the faith disconnect. We don't have to define ourselves constantly as being unequally yoked. Yes, it is an issue that they are just as there are many issues that are inherent in marriage, whether both are believers or not. So I think if we walk forward and find other ways to connect and, and trust God with that faith area, then we can find that place to thriving, and we can look at our partner, our spouse, as as our friend, as our our partner, as our life mate, and not as our enemy. Right. What does it mean to be spiritually mismatched? What are some of the challenges? You know, for me, I spiritually mismatched is really at the core of your marriage because we see the world differently. We filter the world through two different worldviews. And that's at the core of your identity, of everything you believe, how you process life. You know, I sift the circumstances and life through the lens of the Bible. And my spouse doesn't. His often, he often, you know, sifts his world through media or world or culture. Right. And so there can be some direct conflict, you know, in everyday living, especially raising kids. Right. You know, decisions you make because we see the world differently. That's right. Okay. Did you know your spouse wasn't a believer when you married him? When my husband and I got married, we were, uh, my story is we were both, uh, I think we were kind of both searching. We hadn't made decisions. We weren't, um, I wasn't raised in the church, really. He oh. had more decisions than I did. So it was, a, for us, it's something that changed and shifted in our, what, after we were married. Uh-huh. What are some of the flashpoints of conflict that come up again and again in mismatched marriages, would you say? You know, one of the um, deep longings of every wife who is growing in her faith is that we want to be able to share what Jesus is doing in our heart and our lives, and we are desperate to share that intimate intimacy that we're, we're developing with Jesus with our spouse. And I know for me personally, in the early years of my marriage, my husband was hostile about my faith. Uh-huh. He didn't understand, you know, I came, I came back to Christ after prodigal years, and that was during, you know, those prodigal years that I met my husband. Yeah. And I returned to faith, and he didn't understand, and he didn't believe it, and he was angry. And so sharing faith and sharing what's happening in your heart with your best friend on earth creates conflict, and that's, that's one of the flashpoints. And I also know that almost every one of us who grows in our faith, we attend, you know, um, church, that's our community, that's our, our other family, Right. And our husbands, you know, do not share that. So we have a whole kind of separate life that can happen. We have to be very intentional to be sensitive to our husband's needs and, and you know, make a point as the believer to stay connected to our husband right. in other areas of our life. Yeah. And so those can be some of the flashpoints that jump to my mind immediately. Right. In the book you talk about loving purposefully and intentionally. What does that look like? I think it's having a mindset of being intentional in the marriage. Um, and I think this is an area that is goes across the board every day. It's a decision that 
we will walk in that love, that deep love that the Bible calls us to love one another. And, you know, through Christ, through his presence in us, we can love our pre-believer with that kind of love, that unconditional love. And when we can do that, it's such an influence. We're releasing right. that presence of Christ in the home. Yeah. That's, when we can do that, I think we have such an opportunity to be that person of influence in yes. our husband's life. And and it's such an amazing place to be, too, when we, when we can stand by them and and influence them in, in positive ways, not manipulation, but to, just to be an influence and exhibit the love of Christ. And what does that mean to love unconditionally? Right. And, and you know, Sandy, I think also... On, on the flip side, you just have to be intentional about spending time with them and being part of their life sometimes. And I know for me, I, I, I learned how to play fantasy football so that I could, yeah, so I could spend Sunday afternoons. I'd come home from church and we'd warm up our laptops and, yeah. you know, I learned to play fantasy football and we have a blast. We tease each other about our teams and, you know, we're a little bit competitive, but that's a way that I was able to really connect with my husband, you know, and, and keep our marriage relationship strong and thriving as uh-huh. he, you know, tries to figure out faith on his own. Right. And then, of course, there's the golf, too, right? Disc golf, is that Lynn who played that? Right. To, to try to stay right. connected. Yeah. Right. Um, I do that with my husband. Oh, you, yeah. Okay. In the... Um, Throughout the book, you both refer to God's wild hope. I just loved that description. Can you explain that to our listeners? God's wild hope. Can you give us more on that a description? Sure. Uh, sure, I'll be happy to. It's, it's a place of total trust in God. It's, yeah. it's a daily decision to trust Him with our marriage, with our life, and to walk in a faith that tells us biblically that no matter what, God is always there, that he's always good, that he's always in control, that he'll equip us for whatever we face, and that all all that we walk through, including the difficult times of our mismatched marriages, he will redeem and use in amazing ways. And that's a wild hope. That's not a hope that's based on circumstances. It's not based on present situation, it is completely situated on the truth of who Jesus Christ is and who we are in him. Right. The title of the book, Winning Him Without Words, comes from 1 Peter 3.1. Does that mean you shouldn't share your faith vocally with your husband? You know, um, I, yeah, I, I, the more I have lived my faith out, mm-hmm. and the more I read God's word, the more powerful um, it becomes in my life. You know, in the early years of our marriage, I tried everything to bring my husband to faith. I mean, I thought it was my personal journey to be the one to show him the error of his ways. And, you know, Jesus didn't need my help, thank you very much. I I did silly things. I would put three-by-five cards with scripture on on the bathroom mirror, and they would get crumpled up and thrown in the trash. And I just think I went through such great efforts to bring him to faith. And I tried everything, manipulation, and I tried to talk him into it. And 
And First Peter 3 is so powerful. We will win our husbands, and that's what it says in his word, by our actions. It's by our overwhelming love. It's, it's the Holy Spirit within us that rises up and just envelopes them, and they, they can see there's something different in us. And I do believe there are times that God will bring about faith discussions. When you're both in a place to hear and receive and respectfully discuss faith, and our spouses have questions. They don't understand, and they want really great answers from us, and that's why spending time in the Word also prepares us for those moments. So I believe that it's the most impactful thing that we can do is love them with a full heart, with the love of Christ. If we have the love of Christ coming into us, it flows out onto them, it changes circumstances, it changes hearts, and it changes men. And so winning him without words absolutely just becomes more and more truth-filled as I live this journey out. And I also trust God for those moments when my husband asks a question and he's seeking, and I have that point of privilege to share with him the Jesus that I know. Right. What do you tell women who ask what to do when their husbands criticize their faith? Well, you know, there, there's kind of, there's two sides to that. One is, it's really not up to us to defend God. He's very good at doing it himself. He's very good. Jesus is very good at that. And the Word also tells us, um, Paul, you know, he spoke to the disciples and he said that the Holy Spirit would give them words. But they didn't even have to pre-plan uh, what they were going to say or, or strategize. That they just simply had to trust the Holy Spirit within them to give them the words. The proper that's answers. Been my, that's been my experience when my husband has asked me questions or has confronted me even. There's been times in the last few years where... You know, his questions were, they weren't, um, they weren't angry, but they were confrontational about, you know, why does this make sense or why, what does that mean? Right. And, and I was able to answer him. And I honestly, as I'm speaking and answering him, I'm praying in my mind, Holy Spirit, give me the words. And he does. Give me words. And, and that's what I can do. That's, that's my job. And sometimes it doesn't seem like we've done anything. But we have. We have spoken the truth, and we have released those seeds into our pre-believers' hearts and life. And then we can trust God to use them and work them and water them. Right. And um, as we, and Peter said, they'll know me by my life. And, and flowing in the fruit of the Spirit is probably a wonderful way. I mean, just looking at and feeling kindness and love coming from you, that agape love you talk about. Would you explain that wonderful explanation of agape love and philia love and the Greek words to our listeners? Oh, Deneen, this is your category. You're really good at <laughs> the Greek. You take it. <laughs> well, the philia love is is based in our ability. It's, it's, it's a friendly, brotherly love, but it's based on human ability. Agape love is sacrificial love. That's the love that put Christ on the cross. That's the love that moved 
the Father to send his Son to begin with. It's unconditional, it's unlimited, it's relentless, and it's complete. And we, that kind of love, we're only capable of exhibiting through Christ in us. We really can do that. And, it, and it's as simple as a prayer, Lord Jesus, today help me to, you know, love my husband like you do. Flow your love through me and give me a heart for him. Give me a deep love for him. Give me whatever I need to show him the kind of love that you have for me. And and I have watched this happen there. My husband and I have walked through difficulties and challenges that could easily turn us in different directions and create unforgiveness or bitterness just because of difficult life circumstances. Right. But those were the times that because, you know, we that's those intentional times where we're aware and we, we take these steps. And Christ did that. And honestly, there are times that the love I feel for my husband is just so profound that I know it's Christ. I know that Him gives me that kind of love to love my, my guy like that. Remember when you were talking about those kinds of loves. In your book, you spoke about... Jesus and Peter, and of course, Jesus, uh, Peter denied Jesus three times, and Jesus asked Peter three times about how he loved him, right? Would you tell us about that? Right. Each time, the first two times when Christ asked Peter, do you love me? Yes. He uses the agape form of the word love. Right. And each time when Peter answers him back, Peter answers back with the phileo form of love. Uh-huh. And the third time when Jesus asks him that same question, he switches to Peter's form. And and I don't I don't proclaim to be a biblical scholar in any way, but I find the interchange very um interesting because I think in that sense Christ could see Peter's struggle that he wanted to love Jesus with everything he had uh-huh. and if you go later into the Bible and see the letters that, that Peter wrote uh-huh. you can tell there's that shift has happened that he loves Jesus with everything in his, that it, in his being uh-huh. but at that point I think for Peter he was struggling with his failure what he perceived to be the biggest failure of all, that he had betrayed his Savior, his Messiah. Yes. And in that interaction, Christ was reestablishing him. Just as Peter denied Christ three times, Christ reaffirms him three times. So it's this interaction and restoration uh-huh. so that Peter could move forward. And you talk about... Um, you talk about... When you grow in your love of Christ, that you actually grow in your love for your husband, you really experience changes, like an explosion where you can be full of forgiveness and it comes easier and arguments are diminished and the need to win at all costs disappear and the struggles seem to be swept away because of... Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I you know, I think about if in Ephesians where it says we're seated in heavenly realms. Uh-huh. And for me, that just was life-changing because we are seated with Christ in heavenly realms. 
think about that viewpoint. Yes. We, we, are, we are with the, the Savior of the world, the, the risen one, the mighty Prince of Peace, and we're right there with him. And we're, it, it changed my whole viewpoint. I looked down from that in my mind's eye and my spirit and just see our marriage and the conflict and the silly things that I had to be right. I mean, I really felt in the early years I had to defend Jesus because no one was going to defend him. And that comes out of fear and our insecurity and in the early years trying to figure out our identity in Christ. And really at the core of thriving in these kind of marriages is discovering who we are in Christ. Do we believe what God says about himself, and do we believe what God says about who he says we are. And when we start to get that settled and understand truly who we are in Christ and the love that he pours into us, the power that we can have to pray for people, including, you know, especially our spouse and our children, seated in those heavenly realms with him, I just looked down on it and it's like, really, I'm going to argue about this? It's so insignificant when it's like, I, I can rise above it. Right. And conflict changes, and the need to win at all costs changes. And I see him where he's broken, you know, maybe, or he has not yet discovered what I know, and, and that I can love him because of that instead of being angry or bitter or resentful. Forgiveness comes out of you because you're like, I'm seated in heavenly realms with Jesus. Right. I, I see where their struggle is. I see them. I see their heart. I see what... They're, they're walking through. And with that kind of understanding, man, that changes not only a marriage, but it can change, transforms me personally and my heart and my love. It can change your family. It can change your neighborhood. That changes the world. Right. In key 10, because you give us 10 keys in dealing with this issue, you talk about praying the most dangerous prayer. Of course, you talk about praying throughout and how important it is to have a group of believers or a community of Christians that can really support you in prayer and otherwise. But then you talk about praying the most dangerous prayer. What is it and what makes it dangerous? Well, I think it's it's stepping into, again, that place of total trust, that you're yeah. willing to let go of everything let, let and trust God to be in control and to ask Him to do whatever it takes to reach your pre-believer's heart, to soften his heart, to turn his his mind and his thoughts towards, towards Jesus. Yes. Um, you know, sometimes we can really, we don't know what to pray. Right. We don't know what is going to really reach them. Right. For me, that's that's one of my biggest challenges because it's it's not a clear cut. I can't give you a clear cut answer why right, he right. decided. Yeah. Not believe other than he's just very very logical. Yeah, I read so something. I in, rely. Yeah. Go ahead. I just I have to rely on God to show me what to pray for him, and he does. It's very interesting sometimes what he'll tell me to pray for my husband. It's not things I would think about. Right. But it's, it, you know, it's just that willingness to, to pray those prayers and trust God that even if it gets really difficult at times, there's purpose behind it. There's something, we may not see it, but something is happening. 
Yes. I recently moved, and you go through all these boxes, and it's like going through your life, decades. And I came across a little letter from my daughter that said, Mom, and with little hearts that she drew all around, I love you no matter what. Mm. And in your book... I heard that statement again, and it brought it to my memory and gave me such joy. And I feel that you are saying to those who have experienced the pain of mismatched relationships that with the grace of God, you will love them no matter what until the Lord touches their hearts. And the Lord, because your identity is his beloved, will love you no matter what. And it's just that waiting that we ask for grace for. And I thank you so much for sharing because there are many I can think of in our church that I do see sitting alone with that predicament of the mismatched couple. And so we will reach out to them in prayer, in our morning prayers, and we thank you for throwing light upon this and giving us examples of two wonderful women that love the Lord and their husbands, no matter what. Thank you yes. so very much. Okay, thank have you. a wonderful day. I'll say goodbye and God thank bless you. for now. All right. Okay, bye-bye. thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. The marriage matter for today is from 1 Peter 3, verses 1 and 2. Wives, in the same way, be submissive to your husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives, when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. Next week, our special guest is Jay Paylater, who wrote two books, 52 Things Wives Need from Their Husbands, and 52 Things Sons Need from Their Dads. This is Walter and Sandy Fox for Love Savers Radio. We can be reached at 917-804-5034 or write to us at lovesavers1 at aol.com. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next week.